Hey, what's up, podcast family? This week, I talked to Jeff Adamson. He co-founded SkipTheDishes.com out of a basement in Saskatoon with nothing but a dream of building a successful Canadian startup. Skip is now one of the most recognizable consumer brands in Canada, now co-founder and chief merchant officer at Neo Financial. They are reimagining how brands personalize their engagement with customers. On the podcast, we talk about the one component essential to success, the greatest business risk you face, the intersection between sports and business, and much, much more. Remember to rate and subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. You get awesome local leader and entrepreneur stories each week, jam-packed with their unique insights. Leave me feedback at joe at codesta.io on some of the stories or questions you want to hear. I read them all. Now to the podcast. Hope you guys enjoy. Welcome to the podcast, Jeff. Hey, glad to be here, Joe. Well, I'm super stoked to have you on the podcast. Um, obviously, the co-founder of Skip the Dishes. Um, he also started a new uh, fintech company uh, last August. But I'm sure you have a ton of great insights on entrepreneurship, business, and all that fun stuff. Um, but before we do, uh, maybe just give us a brief background of who you are um, and how you got to where you are today. Sure. Yeah, I think uh, maybe to start, I think there's a, a little bit of a misconception that because I've I've done a few things in entrepreneurship that I that I'm an entrepreneur. I generally don't believe I really have an entrepreneurial bone in my body. I, I grew up in a small community in Saskatchewan, and my parents were my my dad was a firefighter. My my mom um, was a, a part-time pharmacist at at the hospital, and you know I never really thought I would ever actually be in, in kind of business in general. I actually went to university to, to study biology and, and agriculture, and it really uh, um, wasn't until uh, university where I actually got a little bit of a glimpse by, by meeting a bunch of different people through sport that I actually started thinking about um, actually running a company of my own. And um, most of my, my adult life, I'd say I identified as an athlete and uh, as a, as a, national team wrestler and that really was my passion for the majority of my life and um as part of how i met the other co-founders of skip the dishes actually is that they were they were track and field athletes and so um yeah I spent most of my time in saskatchewan and then um after i'd wrapped up my my athletic career is really when we we all kind of got together and started thinking about this idea of, of starting our own company and and trying to think of you know how do we how do we build companies in the prairies that uh, other people are going to kind of grow up wanting to work at. And so that was really kind of what had driven us, uh, I think, initially to, to start companies, uh, you know, especially in the tech industry in Canada. Absolutely. It's funny you mentioned that your other co-founders were um, track athletes or athletes themselves. Um, actually, me being a former athlete as well. Uh, but from your perspective, Jeff, do you think there are any um, skills or even um, uh, I guess experiences in sport that helps you become a, I guess, better at business or um, a better quote unquote entrepreneur. Oh, absolutely, Joe. Like I cannot express how important sports are on, on really kind of preparing people, uh, not just for, for business, but just life in general, because I think that 
what sport teaches people that is incredibly transferable to, to life and especially in business too is is really to, to like set goals um, to understand how to work together as a team how to dedicate yourself to, to a, kind of a singular goal uh, and then when you set these goals like they, they often are things like win a city championships win a provincial championship win a national championship pan american medal go to the olympics win the olympics you know it, it really makes it simple it's kind of practice for setting goals in other areas of your life but ultimately as soon as you set the, these goals in sports you're going to you encounter tons of, of obstacles along the way and it doesn't really matter if the goal that you have is big or small you're still going to encounter obstacles both big and small and well, i think what sport really teaches people is how to overcome all those challenges that you have and how to pick yourself up uh, from failure and I, I don't i don't know uh, an olympian or a high performance athlete that hasn't encountered a massive amount of failure along the way and i think as you transition from sport into you know your career all of a sudden now you're 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 having to you know encounter all these challenges again and i think a lot of people who haven't been through sport they they haven't had to go through a ton of those you know, constant struggles and failures because um, that, that's really what high-performance athletes are, are going through every single day. They're failing. And I think that, that sport really prepares people to, to kind of tackle those challenges and, uh, and, and in business, especially if your goal is to build a, a massive company, you're going to encounter all these challenges every day. So for us at NEO and even at Skip the Dishes, we benefit from having a ton of people who draw on their sports backgrounds. At NEO, I think right now we have multiple multi-time Olympians who, you know, they know how to work in a team. They know how to overcome challenges. They know how to pick up themselves after they've, they've fallen down um, and to keep a, a positive attitude to keep pushing forward. So I, I'd say it's, it's huge. It's something that we look for in all the people that we hire. No, I love that. I love that uh, goal setting piece as well. Um, you have to set goals and, uh, sometimes goals leading up to the big goal, even, and obviously you go through failures and um, trials and tribulations through those uh, through that journey, and um, you have to build thick skin and resilience. Um, that which leads me to my next question for you, Jeff. Um, if you have to boil it, boil it all down into one kind of unique skill that helps you really become successful, um, what would you say that would be? Oh, I don't. I mean, I think you and I both know, Joe. It's, it's never really one thing. Um, I think people may, maybe they put emphasis on different types of skills and, and maybe different industries, certain skills are, are helpful. Um, I think that when I, when I think of the skills that maybe came in the most handy, uh, especially given the journeys that we've been on at, you know, both in my athletic career and, and that at Skip the Dishes and then now at Neo, um, the ability to be resourceful uh, is something that I see as incredibly useful to people. And, and I mentioned just, you know, a couple of seconds ago about the, you know, the, the challenges and obstacles and picking yourself up to failure. Ultimately, you're going to run into so many roadblocks all the time. And I think your ability to combine, you know, underneath resourcefulness, I think you have kind of this determination. You have to be able to maintain an optimistic attitude. You can't, you have to be um, resilient as well in order to figure out, okay, how am I going to, how am I going to make payroll? How am I going to launch a new city or launch a new product line? How am I going to 
close a round of financing. And it's kind of working within all these obstacles and constraints and figuring out, okay, with the people I have, with the market conditions, you know, how do I get to where I need to go? And, and I think resourcefulness, it really brings together a lot of different attributes that come in handy, I think, when you're building a company. And, and I think that um, going back to, to sport, it, you know, in sport, I think you're, you're often having to do the same things. You're, you're often having to look at, okay, with the, with the competitive landscape I have, with the, the teammates and with the coaches and, you know, the competitions I have ahead of me and what, what am I competition doing and what are the conditions, you know, in that, in that game or in that tournament that I'm in and making the most out of it. And, and, and I think that especially if you have these like massive ambitions, you know, and for us at Skip, it was build um, a multi-billion dollar tech company in the prairies uh, and, and do it in a way that no one had done before. And now at NEO, it's, you know, become the most loved bank in Canada and, and, entire, and reimagine the entire banking industry from scratch. Um, I think that we ultimately are going to come into these situations where we have to just figure out how to, how to, how to do it. And that resourcefulness, I think it really is something that we look for. And we're super fortunate that we have a ton of resourceful people. <laughs> I'm actually going to uh, steal a quote from uh, Dan Gable. Uh, once you've wrestled <laughs> everything else, life is easier. <laughs> so I'm going to say, you know, maybe. it's funny. My my dad, he went to a wrestling. He went to the World Championships. My dad never wrestled before. Mm-hmm. Um, he he wasn't really an athlete growing up. He was just an incredibly hard worker, and he was working. He'd work as a fireman, and they work overnight shifts. So he'd work three overnight shifts in a row. And then during the day, instead of sleeping like a normal human being, he would go and work another job. And there was one time he, he, he wouldn't get a lot of vacation time off. He was working so much. He decided he wanted to go on a, on a trip with a few other dads of, of other wrestlers. And they went to the World Championships in New York City. Um, it was actually a couple of years after 9-11. Um, and so they went to, to New York City for the Worlds, and he actually bought a poster, it laminated it for me, and it was a photo of Dan Gable with the quote, once you've wrestled, everything else in life is easier. And I, I, I'm a little biased, but I, Joe, I tend to agree because there is nothing as difficult that I've done uh, that even comes close to wrestling. There, there is nothing, like, there's nothing as, as, as grueling, as emotional, as personal, as revealing, as putting yourself through what wrestling puts you through. Yeah. I have to admit, I watched some of your uh, YouTube clips, uh, your wrestling YouTube clips, and yeah, I have to give it to you. That's, <laughs> that's oh, no. uh, not easy. Because <laughs> I played football myself, and at least with football, you have teammates to kind of fall back on. But in wrestling, you're kind of all by your by yourself in that ring. Oh, so <laughs> Football is tough, too. I mean, football is crazy. I mean, it, those guys are so athletic. It is insane. Like I, I remember thinking like I was like you know pretty strong back in the day. Then I then I looked at one of the workouts of a wide receiver for the Patriots, and <laughs> I thought wide receivers were like small and kind of like skinny. And this guy's workout, he was bench pressing like 315 pounds. He was doing chin-ups with 90 pounds around his waist. I was just like, okay, never mind. Like these guys are way more athletic than I'll ever be. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, it's it's crazy what these guys can do these days. It's uh, definitely freak athletes out there. 
Um, but yeah, I just wanted to quickly step, step back a little bit. Um, obviously, I have a lot of uh, entrepreneurs or even uh, aspiring business uh, people listening. But um, maybe what's something that you wish you wouldn't know when you first began kind of this crazy journey uh, that you've been on? Oh, man, there's there's a pretty long list there, Joe, because like I said, I, I, I didn't have an entrepreneurial bone in my body. I, I had no aspirations really of, of of, of kind of running my own company. Um, and, and I think I had a bit of a, maybe a mysticism around the, like the fact that, I, that, that you're kind of born an entrepreneur. I kind of had this idea that like entrepreneurs are kind of just wired differently and, and it kind of created this, yeah, this kind of uh, aura or, or something around entrepreneur, entrepreneurialism. And, and I, I thought entrepreneurship and I was like, okay, well, that's, I'm not like that. I'm not born into an entrepreneurial family. Um, you know, my mom, like, and worked for the government and my dad was a firefighter. So I was, they had the same jobs their whole life. They, they, they had one job. And for me growing up as, you know, a millennial and, and kind of like not really sure what I wanted to do, what I was drawn to, and I think what I wish I, I knew, I wish other people knew is, is that this idea that like you can, you can kind of, you can kind of create what you want. Like, and I think that I, I didn't, I didn't know that what, it was, what I was really signing up myself up for, but what I wanted to really do and what I, I, I wish more people knew, and as, especially as athletes is that like, what I wanted to do was keep an athletic lifestyle. I wanted to keep an athletic mindset. I wanted to have uh, a team around me. I wanted to be able to work towards mastery of something. And ultimately, wanted to have an impact. I, I wanted to to really be able to contribute in the biggest way I can. And I think that's that's often I feel is what is the most meaningful thing is knowing that what you're doing is having an impact. And and I think growing up, especially in the prairies, it um, a lot of people there's a lot of big companies, a lot of government, and it's it's really tough to have a game changing impact in a lot of these companies because you are you know, one of so many people who are working in them. And, I, and so I think if, if I, if I had been told earlier that like, listen, like you can, you can start up something, you can build a team, you can create a company that can impact the lives of millions of people. Um, and, and you don't need to be a genius and you don't need, like, I'm, I'm definitely like far, very far from the smartest person in any room that I go to. Uh, and, I, I, there's people who are harder working than me too. Uh, and there are people who have way better credentials. And so I think it just, if I, if I could, if I would have known, I, I, you know, I think I would have been able to, I think go into it with a little bit more understanding of like, okay, like, yes, you can do this, have a little bit more confidence. Um, and I think ultimately, you know, create more of a culture around entrepreneurship so that more people will we'll take these risks to start companies because it's not actually as big of a risk as people think. You know, it's, I think a, a bigger risk is kind of working at the same job for, for 30 years and then realizing that you, you didn't achieve what you wanted to. That, that to me is a, is a terrible risk that I, that I would be heartbroken if that occurred to me. And I just thank God every day that, that, uh, you know, I, I, I was fortunate enough to have relationships with people that, um, kind of opened my eyes to this this idea that hey you know 
it's not actually as big of a risk as you think because the most important things in life are, are you know your health and your relationships and whether your business succeeds or fails those things are not going to change as long as you treat people well and you take care of yourself wow no i absolutely agree jeff that's i really love that just go for it um and then yeah if it pans out it pans out if it doesn't you still get that data point of okay it didn't work out but at least i tried at least i did something i'm really passionate about yeah and, and honestly like there's a quote uh, i can't remember who it was but it was about how you know the people it's not really in the achieving of the goal that we, we should really celebrate and obviously like media and society and everything like celebrates the people who kind of end up as champions or end up as successful artists or entrepreneurs or athletes. But there is like so much, I have so much respect for the people who go for it and do everything possible to achieve the goal. And, and really whether or not they do um, to me is, is kind of like, it, to me, it's more the pursuit of excellence rather than the achieving of it. That, that is so admirable. And, and I respect so much of, of just saying like, Hey, I'm going to become the best in the world at this. And, and then like the person they become in the process of going after it, it's, a, it's just a beautiful thing to see someone transform and to become 10 times better than they were. And we see that all the time. And we saw it throughout Skip. We saw, we had people, Joe, that went from stocking bookshelves at Indigo to becoming world-class product managers, being flown around the world to consult on massive multi-million dollar projects. And at Neo, we've got people, you know, coming right out of university, um, working on on projects that are going to touch the lives of millions of Canadians. And, it, and it's just, it's um, it's just a, a probably one of the best parts of, of my day is just seeing how people grow and change and and, and get better all the time. I, I feel super lucky. Absolutely. No, going back to the New England Patriots uh, wide receiver workouts, I'm, I've always found it fascinating, um, kind of the process leading up to um the goal essentially like you always say you always see the super bowl or the champion but um i'm always fascinated the process the training the blood sweat and tears that goes into um that process and um oh, and, from- and it's it's yeah it's so crazy and, and like you look at these people too like a lot of people think like hey you got to be born a freak athlete you got to be born a genius you got to be born into a, a business family and and then you just you continually hear all these stories about like they weren't the best athlete you know, they weren't the smartest kid, but they wanted it the most. And I think that that is one thing that um, we've got in spades is, is we want it, we, we want it, I think, more than anyone. And, and ultimately, that's what's going to pull you through all the, all the obstacles and challenges along the way. And, and I love seeing these stories of, of athletes and, and, and people in, in all, whatever career, it could be art, it could be theater, it could be business, the people who are just like, doggedly determined to succeed no matter what and uh, ultimately whether they do or not i don't think it matters as much because they become so much better in the process of just trying to achieve that absolutely and speaking of which um maybe for the listeners that don't know too much about neo i know you guys are doggedly trying to innovate the uh financial space and i think you guys are uh, doing a great job but uh, perhaps maybe give us a little bit more background of why you want to start the start that new brand or new company and um, where you guys are today. Sure. Yeah. And I think so. So Neo is a, is a tech company that's reimagining everyday banking for Canadians from the ground up and making 
everyday spending and saving the most rewarding experience possible. And if you think about banking today, it is, you know, very transactional. You know, it's it's very kind of people kind of use a banking app when when they kind of have to. And and I think that there's a couple things at play here. One is I think that we're really being left behind in in the banking uh, in the banking world. You know, there's you know we've got Brazil, you know Nigeria, China, EU. These countries are all far ahead of Canada when it comes to banking technology. You know, in, in China, for example, you can you can hail a, a ride, you can rent a scooter, book a hotel, transfer money, you know, do your pay your bills all from one app. Yet in Canada, you know, you, you basically have these clunky apps that, that, you know, can barely accomplish the most basic things. And so I think that as a proud Canadian, we're really being left behind. And also as Canadians, I feel like we need to have more uh, Canadian consumer brands. You know, there hasn't really been a lot of companies, a lot of people starting up consumer brands in Canada. You know, and the, if you think of just consumer brands in general that have started in the last 30 years, it's, it's basically like Blackberry, Lululemon, you know, and I'd like to throw Skip the Dishes in the mix, but like in terms of achieving a national scale, the rest of the brands that people use every day, like the Ubers and Netflixes, Amazons, you know, we've been really importing a lot of our consumer brands. So we're starting with a, a no-fee MasterCard where you can get exclusive rewards from over a thousand different businesses across Alberta. Um, and this puts meaningful money into the pockets of, of local businesses. Um, and it's a, it's a MasterCard that actually gets smarter the more you use it. So the more you use your everyday MasterCard, more use your Neo card, you get personalized incentives based on you as an individual um, that helps you make better spending decisions and also expands your own spending power so that you get better deals and your dollar goes even further. And we're combining that, Joe, with a best-in-class uh, digital high-interest savings account, uh, which provides Canadians with all the benefits of a checking account while rewarding Canadians with uh, 2% interest, which is about 40 times higher than your average big five bank. Wow. <laughs> That's amazing. And are you guys currently launched right now? Or are you um, still um, in the process of uh, rolling out to different markets? Hold on. I got to ask you, Joe, have you signed up yet? <laughs> if you haven't signed up, this, this podcast is over. <laughs> I will be signing up right after this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we're we're launched in. Uh, so we're going um, we're going national, starting with Alberta, and we have uh, we're live in Calgary right now. Edmonton is going to be live uh, imminently, and then Manitoba is going to be live as well. And we're just getting started on Vancouver uh, before going out, out east. Um, so right now, customers can can sign up. Uh, We've actually had like too much demand, actually. So we actually had to create uh, an on, kind of an online wait list to keep track of all the people who want to to get their Neo card. So um, so customers can go online to to neofinancial.com and, and join the wait list. And if they refer um, their friends to Neo, they actually get to cut the line, which I know is a bit of a, a faux pas. But um, at the same time, if someone's gonna 
share Neo with their friends, we feel like there should be a little bit of a reward um, in it for people because that's really what we're about is, 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 you know, giving people, you know, rewarding experience on everything that they're doing. Absolutely. No, no, you convinced me, Jeff. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a sign up right after this. Uh, oh, you're just saying, you're just saying that joke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that'd be nice. No, no. <laughs> I think that's no, what you guys are doing is awesome. I think that's uh, something that's really needed to, because yeah, everybody, when, when you think of the banking industry, you always think of these dodgy, like corporate banks and not very, um, not very much of innovation um, in there, but uh, what you guys are doing seems to be. Um... Yeah, and, and I think like to be to be clear, I think that the, the big five banks serve a very important role in Canada, but they're 150 years old, Joe, and you know they're, you know, it, they're having a hard time keeping up with the times, and, and which I don't blame them. I mean, consumer expectations are changing rapidly, and. You know, people, you know, with a click of a button, you can hail a cab, you can stream your favorite videos, you can order food, you know, get your dry cleaning delivered. So these are, these are kind of like, these are the customer's expectations now. It's, it's on demand, it's real time, it's personal, and it's hard to keep up. I, I know firsthand, it's very, very hard to keep up. Um, but it's time. I mean, it's 2020, and I think that Canadians deserve to have something that is in line with their expectations. And customers want... So, you know, they want things to be, you know, an immersive, frictionless, seamless experience that, that allows them to just live life and live, have a better life. And, and ultimately, I, I really believe that, uh, that we're doing that at Neo by, by, you know, allowing people's dollar to go even further by giving them personalized rewards from their favorite places. And then also giving them a, a really valuable high interest rate of 2%. Like that's, that is things that I believe that Canadians deserve today. Um, and I think that if we have the ability to do it, if we have the, the team and the technology to build it, then, then we have a, we have, a, we're, we're, it's, it's our duty to do that. Absolutely. And speaking of changing consumer behaviors, uh, you hit the nail right on its head. Um, yeah. People are just, the consumer behaviors are changing. Uh, people are expecting to get things from just a click of their thumb. Um, and speaking of consumer behavior as well, um, obviously, with the whole pandemic and COVID, uh, consumer spending and behaviors are changing. Um, for, but from your perspective, Jeff, what kind of things do you anticipate changing or even see changing um, during this kind of pandemic period? Yeah, I mean, it's been pretty gut-wrenching to see what's happened um, because of the impacts of COVID. And, and I've written about it a few times in the Calgary Herald and uh, online pretty pretty repetitively is uh, like the impact especially on small business has been devastating um, you know like these are these are businesses that are the the absolute pillars of our community and they're being absolutely ravaged by you know people not going out and, and kind of staying in um, and a lot of these businesses they're not they don't have a year's worth of, of cash reserves on hand to to survive and I think it ultimately, if, if Canadians don't get their, their wallets out and, and get back to spending locally, I think what we're going to find is that some of the largest employers in all of our communities are going to be gone. And, and we're going to be left with really the only places to spend money being Walmart, Superstore, these big box retailers, uh, Amazon. And, you know, the, the value that these businesses have in our community, it, it, it these are the places where people get their first experience in the workforce. 
the first exposure to how to run a business. You know, I was a kid. I, I grew up, you know, working at um, a local greenhouse uh, that my my aunts and uncles uh, worked at, and I would water the plants, and I got to see the dedication that they had in in running that business, and I got to see, um, you know, what it took and how hard they where they worked and how creative they had to be to survive. Um, and I just, I, I'm I'm concerned that if Canadians don't value local the way that we need to, and that is much higher than we do right now, um, if we don't value local businesses beyond the price that we're paying for the products that we're getting, we have to value the position and and what they add to our communities um, much much higher. Um, and so I think that that's the impact on on small and local businesses. And of course, we're seeing a huge acceleration on the adoption of technology. And I think that, you know, just take a look at Shopify's stock price will tell you that, you know, there's been a severe uh, uptick in in the adoption of people selling online. I think that's accelerated by at least, you know, a couple of years, three to five years, maybe. Um, we've seen uh, on-demand have huge increases where people are now ordering delivery in, in many different ways, a lot more than they were before. Uh, and we're also seeing a, a much um, much more a larger burden um, by businesses on needing things to be measurable and, and, and being able to calculate what the ROI is, especially in the area of marketing. I've seen a lot of businesses that are no, no longer able to justify, you know, paying for a billboard or paying for a radio ad and you know, paying for digital marketing that they can't really attribute to an, a, a measurable increase in sales. Uh, and that's why we've been working tirelessly over the last six months to, to connect with these businesses so that we can give them the tools that allow them to connect with customers in a way with an increase in sales without having to pay third-party companies uh, and in a way that's measurable uh, and in a way that's, that's scalable and doesn't require a lot of their time. I think that we've seen a lot of these changes and, and I'm still really uncertain about what's going to happen in the future, but I, I feel like these are the things that we've seen so far. No, absolutely. I, no, I appreciate that uh, insight, Jeff. And yeah, no, I agree. I think data is king and um, having that uh, measurable data needs to be given so that you could justify, especially now when times are so, um, you got to be careful and um, be cautious of where you're, uh, money's going because um, people, have, like you mentioned, have lost their jobs. And I've, I've read a few of your Calgary Herald uh, pieces as well. And I think uh, uh, supporting local is something that needs to be um, pushed more and so that we don't end up with just, like, you're, like you said, the, just the big box retailers as our only choice. But for my next question, yeah. Jeff, I, yeah. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Joe. Oh, my next question, I was going to ask you, um, what are you – curious about right now it could be professionally it could be personally i'm just curious to know what uh what type of things are you kind of looking out for or wanting to know more about um you know i, I think i'm curious about uh you know the banking industry in general um I'm, I'm curious about marketing i've been really diving in on on just the different ways that businesses are, are trying to grow their their companies i'm, I'm curious about how like what what is how are brands going to connect with customers five ten years from now? Um, how like how do people perceive brands? 
um, through their own marketing. I, I'm really curious as to like, you know, what are customers thinking about the choices that brands are making when it comes to how they're investing their marketing dollars and um, things around privacy as well and, and how we're going to strike a, a great balance between, you know, respecting consumers' privacy but also delivering a massive amount of value to the consumer. Um, I think th those are the areas that I think I've been kind of digging into the most. And um, I'm also like a big history buff too. So I'm always curious about like learning about what we've done in the past. Uh, I just finished up reading um, Endurance, uh, the story of uh, Ernest Shackleton surviving um, two years in Antarctica and bringing all of his, his, his uh, men home um, safely. Uh, and trying to figure out like how do we not repeat the mistakes of the past and you know looking at you know for example like this is not the first time we've had a pandemic we've you know we had the Spanish flu of 1918 and you know how do we overcome that and how do we avoid an economic catastrophe and I think that though yeah like I, I do want to to make sure that we're making decisions and not repeating the mistakes we had in the past. Yeah, absolutely. And kind of going back to that uh, resilience piece, um, learning from mistakes and kind of learning from what was done in the past so that we can um, make sure it doesn't happen again, or at least pivot and rebound faster when it does happen in the future. Totally. I think that like nowadays, I think the companies that are going to survive um, are the ones that are incredibly adaptable. Uh, because right now the ground is just shifting beneath people's feet and having to to figure out like what is what is the new normal what does that look like how do we need to pivot our strategy um, how do we keep employees safe how do we you know me, you know exceed our our users ex expectations um, how do we help businesses survive uh, in this climate and and Again, we're we're like at least at Neo, we're acting under the uh, assumption that this is going to be like this for uh, at least a year, two years, three years maybe. Uh, and so we just need to become the best in the world at it, at working in an environment that is changing all the time. So we even do like test drills around here where we're we'll actually like have people going and work remotely, and then you know coming in and just in in small groups and maintaining social distancing and you know working as safely, but also as effectively as we can in, in, in a high performance environment um, is something we're always trying to push the needle on while at the same time making sure that we're not putting anyone's uh, health in jeopardy. Absolutely. No, that's some great foresight. Um, one thing I did want to touch on uh, previously, you mentioned that um, Canada, we import a lot of these consumer brands like Uber and um, all that. And, um, I'm curious to know from your perspective, um, connecting brand with consumers, what type of elements does a brand or do you see a brand having that uh, makes it become successful in that kind of journey of becoming a well-known uh, consumer brand? Well, I will be the first to admit that I am not a brand person. I don't, I don't know if I have a creative bone in my body. Um, <laughs> you know, so... I can I can I can only give you my opinion, um, but I, I actually have no clue if this is if it's founded in, in, in actual facts or not. But it, I think when I think of our, our kind of philosophy 
um, that we had at Skip and, and that I think we're, we're drawing on at Neo is, is really about value, about creating value for for our users, and and I think that that's ultimately what consumers want. I mean, they want they want your product or service to make their life better. And I think in the past, brand was a shorthand for those things. You know, if I saw, you know, I could take a Nike t-shirt that cost 30 cents to make, put a Nike logo on it and sell it for $30. Um, I think those days are, are not past and over. I just think that now I can actually, in, in a few seconds, I can find out the quality of a product. I can look in reviews on 30 different websites to find out is this product going to create value for me and is it going to make my life better? I can just find those things out. So I think the burden on brands today is you have to be relentlessly focused on value creation for the end user. Uh, and I think that your brand has to scream that, but your product has to deliver it. And I, and I, so that, I mean, that's why we, we invest at, at Neo. We, we've got a massive high performance engineering team uh, a team of world-class product managers that are building an experience that's going to give Canadians that. Because I don't think that, uh, you know, I don't know if Canadians are going to care as much about a fancy advertisement or a nice logo as much as they care about, hey, like, I actually have $1,000 in my pocket that I didn't have before because of Neo. I think that is what Canadians are going to care about. And if the experience along the way is also an enjoyable one, a, a kind of a, a, a polished one, then I think you've got the recipe for rapid growth. Um, and so I, I, I wish I saw more brands that were investing more heavily in their product and, and less in, in kind of like, you know, advertisement that's kind of just noise to Canadians. I think like a, I think one of the things that, that really bothers me is it's like when I look around, like I, I think the average Canadian today is getting hit with between eight and 10,000 advertisements a day. Uh, that's, that's how crowded and noisy the marketing world is. And ultimately, as consumers, we're paying for those, for those ads in, in our everyday purchases. And so when I think of a brand, like when I see where they're advertising and what they're putting their money towards, that to me tells me about what they value as a brand. If they're investing heavily in legacy um, marketing uh, channels, to me, I'm like, well, if I buy your product, I'm basically paying for you to put up that billboard. And it's like, I don't really want a, you to have a better billboard. I want you to have a better product. Mm. I, I want your product to, to make my life better. So if you could take the, instead of advertising, you know, I can go and find the products I want in, in seconds. You know, if I have a need, it's a couple clicks away. But I, so I don't need to be reminded ten thousand times a day. And so I, what I what I really hope that we can do at Neo is is really making it so that brands can invest in their customers. So instead of instead of investing in basically paying Google and Facebook, who have eighty percent of the global digital marketing uh, market share, instead of paying them, or instead of paying you know radios and, and TV and, and billboards, invest directly in your customer and give them the value. You know, invest directly in your product and that, that value will get transferred to the customer. And, and I, 
Uh, I'm hopeful more brands will do that. And, and I know that Neo, like that is one of our missions is to help brands do this. And so far, I mean, the, <laughs> it's, going, it's going much, uh, we're, we've had much more success on that front than I thought with over a thousand brands across Alberta have joined so far. Wow. No, I love that, Jeff. I think, yeah, yeah you're absolutely right. So developing a better product and passing that value on to your customers and just relentless, relentless value and cre- value creation for your customers is definitely, definitely where it's at to become a, uh, even now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I, I think even when you look at like some of the companies, like look at Tesla, for example, they've, I think they're the most value, valuable auto company in the world now. Now, of course, anyone listening is going to debate me and say like, okay, well, that's probably, they shouldn't be. And I, and I wouldn't entirely disagree with them. They don't do, they don't have marketing. Like they don't do any marketing. You have basically Elon Musk's Twitter account and the rest of it is just an incredible product. You know, like they, they pull off these seemingly impossible feats uh, and they let their product kind of speak for them. And I think anyone who's experienced it, they, they know that, they, that there's been so much thought that has gone into it. And they've, you know, they, they don't have a billion dollar marketing uh, budget. They have a billion dollar research and product development budget. And, and I think it shows in, in the traction, the growth that they've had. Absolutely. And kind of going back to that sports piece too. If you're, if you're just all talk and no game, then you're kind of, <laughs> kind of lost. <laughs> we, we, we all know people like that too. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, but but uh, I think that's a, that's a good comparison though, because it, you know, I think, yeah, if you look at just the best athletes and, and, and Calgary is actually a great example There's so many great uh, athletes here. I mean, I can think of at least, two Olympic champions in, in just wrestling and generally you got Carol Wynn and Erica Weeb. And like, these are people who are not like screaming from the rooftops, like, Hey, look at me. I'm an Olympic champion or look how good I am. You know, their, their performance speaks for itself. And so they're not investing their time trying to make other people think about how great they are. They're just going to work. They're putting in the time they're, they're, they're mastering their craft and, and ultimately it paid off by achieving the greatest achievement you can in sport, which is, you know, to become an Olympic champion. And, and the, in most of the, of the best and athletes I've ever met, incredibly humble, incredibly down to earth as well. Mm-hmm. Let your game do the talking. That's what I like to say. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, sure. I only have a couple more questions for you, for you here. Jeff. Um, yeah. My next question was uh, what's one question that you never get asked that you wish you would be asked? Oh man, I don't spend a lot of time thinking about what questions I wish people were asking me. You know, I get asked a lot of questions about, you know, why did you start Skip or why did you start Neo? Um, But I think I I wish I had more people asking like, why, why the prairies? Mm. You know, I think, um, because ultimately it'd be, um, I don't know if it'd be easier, but the, the conventional path is not to start a multi-billion dollar tech company in, in a place like Saskatoon or Winnipeg. You know, I think they're generally known for things other than technology uh, or, or startups for that matter. And I think that the prairies have some of the hardest working, intelligent, 
and kind people that you'll ever meet. And I think that those are huge advantages. Um, you know, and, and, and I guess to add to that is the the humbleness and the you know the down to earthness that we have in the prairies. I, I think is really underrated, and I think is a huge advantage that I, I wish more people spoke about, because it is a massive advantage that we have. Uh, and, and at Neo and at Skip, we both um, recruited from across the prairies. Majority of the people we we employed were from the prairies. Our founding team were all from small communities in the prairies, and our our competitive advantage was the fact that we have these people who will you know, act like they've got nothing to prove to anyone, but then work like they've got everything to prove. And I think that, you know, we were up against, you know, Uber had raised 15, 20 billion dollars. We were up against Amazon in the US. We we're up against DoorDash, which had, you know, raised five, 10 billion. You know, at Skip, we not even a chance to raise even remotely close to that. We we're in barely anything at all. And the reason why we were able to to win against these companies is because of the people that we had and because of the fact that they were incredibly talented, hardworking, and humble. And that, um, that I think, is what makes the Prairies a great place to start a company, a tech company especially. And I, and I wish more people you know, were asking about that and asking, like, you know, Hey, where can I help? Where can I where can I start? How can, how do I get you know these great people to to maybe instead of going to work for you know a large oil and gas company or going to work for government, getting those people to 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 say like, hey, why can't I start a company here? Why can't I you know create change or create value for Canadians? Uh, I wish we had more people doing that, Joe. Absolutely, um, and I'm really admire your your. Uh your role in this whole thing, um, doing that for other Canadians as well. And I really appreciate you being on the podcast. Um, where can our listeners connect with you online? Um, probably the best place would be uh, Twitter, Jeff Ken Adamson, and uh, on LinkedIn. Um, yeah, yeah, those are the, those probably the best places. Twitter, LinkedIn, perfect. I'll uh, add that to the description. And usually I like to end the podcast with uh, the guests posing a question to the audience or a quote or a story. So I'd like to ask you, Jeff, what's, uh, would you like to, how would you like to end the podcast? Well, so my options are a quote, a story, or a question. Yeah. How about a statement? Statement. Is that, that okay? Oh yeah. So the, the statement is join, join the movement that we've started and, and help us reimagine the Canadian banking industry. Go and join the waitlist, tell your friends, and let's reimagine from the ground up what banking can be, um, and just be a part of it. Be a part of the, of the movement that we're starting.